Welcome to the other party, got that vibe Well, you know we getting lit and come alive And you know we got that light, so we gon' shine And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah Test, test, test. Hey, 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 hey. Test, test, test. Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the After Party. If you're wondering how I start every single video or podcast, you just heard it because that is exactly what I do in that exact order, exactly that way every single time. Why? I don't know. Because you get into a habit. And that is how I check the audio levels and make sure that my voice isn't peaking and so it doesn't create any crackly cringy sounds for your ears all right so i know that we missed last week's podcast uh caught some flack on twitter for that and apologies sorry about that the thing was it was the fourth of july i'm from the u.s i don't know where you're listening from but around here that's independence day and you know it was just like things were getting crazy i was trying to fit it in i was thinking about it done a bunch of research made a list of stuff to talk about and it came down to it. I was like, no, you know what? I need to take some time off, spend some time with the family. And I'm glad that I did because um, sometimes it's easy to just like work, 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 work. And I'm glad that my wife was like, you know, can't you just take it off today? And so anyways, I did. And it was good. It was restful. Um, it was nice. I had a good time. It was kind of disappointing, though, because I was looking at the podcast stats. And for the last couple months, like I've missed at least one week out of the whole month for the podcast and it's because of the move you know it's been crazy and, and this time is because fourth of july and it's just like we've been holding steady with how many downloads we've been getting which is great i'm glad that people are listening i just want to keep growing i want to keep growing beyond that rocket trajectory and keep the graph heading in the upper right and it just stays steady and i'm just like man if i had just gotten that one weekend we would have grown you know from last month and last week and whatever uh, but whatever you know there's always the next uh, week and month, you know, to keep at it. And I guess while I'm at it, I can just let you guys know, you know, a quick little moving update. It looks like it's not going to be till like probably, I don't know, mid-September or something when I'm fully able to move and get the new studio space all set up and be out of this crazy in-between mode that I've been in right now where, you know, we moved out of the old place and we're kind of staying with some family in the meantime, because it's a cross-state thing, um, and while we're waiting for the new place to get finished. So anyways, I mean, I'm ready to get there. I know you guys are. Uh, but in the meantime, it's not like I'm not doing anything. I put out four videos this week, which I'm pretty proud of. Um, change it up a little bit. We definitely did one that was sort of like vloggy. It was almost a vlog. I don't know. Maybe it was a vlog. It wasn't quite a vlog. It was vlog-ish, vlog-like. I don't know exactly what the definition of a vlog is, but I do know that I took the Sony ZV-1, which is a vlogging camera, went out, and I brought another Sony camera with me too and made a CarPlay video. But before I actually got to the content, you guys got to come with me as I ordered a Nitro, my favorite coffee drink from Starbucks. By the way, nobody does Nitro like Starbucks. Starbucks is not gourmet coffee, I wouldn't say, but it's consistent. You get used to it and you're like, you know, it's good. You're like, oh, that's Starbucks, but it's still, it's, it's good. Good, but not amazing. But their Nitro, for some reason, their Nitro is just head and shoulders above all other nitros basically that i've tried i tried some local nitro you know from a place around here where i'm at and it was okay recently and you know what this is funny too i ordered some nitro the other day from some place and you know it was on the menu this is at a bagel place and they were like okay uh it's gonna be a couple minutes give us like four minutes and 
they I went back out and I was waiting and they brought it out and they're like, here you go. I tasted it and it was clearly just cold brew. Like I, I don't think they even knew how to do the nitro. That's the thing. Everybody ruins nitro almost, or they say it's nitro, but it's not nitro, or it is nitro, but it's just not good nitro. This is what I keep coming back to Starbucks nitro. The the nitro it's just it's got like a foaminess, a creaminess, like a head to it, more like a beer almost, I would say if you just looked at it, you know, like there's something that really is different. It's not just technically you pump some nitrogen in, like it really is its own animal. It's a different thing. And that's what I really like. And it tastes good too. It's nice and smooth, you know? And yeah, it's got a kick. It's got a kick to it. I remember when it was new, I used to order it in the biggest size that I could. And then they capped it and you can only get a grande, (laughs) which of course is dangerous because then I have been tempted to order two grandes because of the caffeine content. That's why they're capping it off. And that's even worse, probably. That's even more caffeine content, which I don't know. I, I did that once, I think. And then I saved it for the next day. Uh, so I do abide by the official rules. But how in the world did I get off talking about <laughs> coffee again in Nitro? <laughs> I have no idea. And shout out to everybody who's donated. Who You know, it's kind of like left me a tip on buy me a coffee slash daily tech. Um, thank you to everybody. You know, sometimes there's a message. Sometimes it's just it's just says like anonymous person you know, bought you a coffee or three coffees. So, so thank you. You can rest assured that I absolutely appreciate it. Number one. And number two, definitely do put it to good use. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about kind of almost vlogging, pseudo vlog. So anyways, yeah, I I went and uh, I did a CarPlay video and I talked about some of the updates and it wasn't a super popular video. And that's okay, because I was just kind of playing around, messing around. I got that new ZV-1 camera, and I'm enjoying it. And actually, I've been incorporating it into, you know, that desk setup that you guys have been seeing. There's a three-camera setup, and I've been using the ZV-1 also uh, there, making it kind of like a four-camera setup, because why not? You know, it has a special mode. It's like a product showcase mode. And I thought, well, that makes sense at the desk, maybe. You know, since I'm using all Sonys at the moment, um, you know, the color profile is at least going to be really similar to the others. And, and anyways, I've been experimenting with it, but it's really a vlogging camera. So I did take it out and just kind of tried it out a little bit. I was pretty impressed with it. I liked it. I got a lot of feedback that said you guys liked trying something different, doing something different. And so, yeah, I don't know. From time to time, I'll probably do that here and there when it makes sense. Because, yeah, it's just probably different to see somebody, you know, outside of the normal element that you're used to seeing them in. I know what it's like. Because uh, I don't know how many times I've mentioned this guy, and I haven't seen one of his videos in years. Uh, but the guy that got me into number one blogging, and then number two into YouTube, which I don't even know how much YouTube he does anymore, was this guy named Chris Spooner, and he was a designer from the UK. And I used to just find his, you know, behind the scenes vlog content so interesting. I think part of it was because he was from the UK, and it was just different, you know, seeing a different lifestyle over there from someone who's like similar age or whatever and and did something similar to me, which was design at the time. So, you know, if you guys like that kind of content, yeah, I'd be happy to do some more of it. I just don't know how interesting really uh, it would be. And once we get set up in the new place, I mean, we could do, you know, like a studio space tour or some different kind of content. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we can do once that happens. I'm thinking about, you know, pfft, what I want to do from the smart home stuff. That could be a video or a series, um, maybe some health related stuff, fitness stuff. I'm thinking about getting, I think I mentioned this, either a hydro, which is like a rowing machine or a Peloton, but it seems like, here's the thing. And you guys, I mentioned this already and people reach out and they're like, you, you got to get the Peloton. I like the idea of the Peloton. It's just 
it doesn't seem like it works quite as much maybe as like the hydro which is kind of like the peloton of rowing machines i've never done rowing either it just it's like a low impact thing that i could kind of combine with weightlifting or something which i want to do more of more consistently um because i got some bowflex equipment just laying around that i haven't really used uh because i have this thing <laughs> maybe you guys are similar i was like if i know that a trip is coming up or you know and this isn't as much like during the covid times but you know if there's like a holiday or something that was going to get you know me away from the equipment then i just would already you know it, it could be like christmas coming up in three months or something and i would be like oh well that's coming up so well why should i even get started because i know that's going to throw a wrench in it you know with whatever fitness related whatever um so that uh, you know is something that's not really a good habit <laughs> that i've had but yeah i want to get more into that and and like be more consistent and i thought about kind of making um, a journey out of that too in video form i don't know i really don't know but there's going to be a lot of fun stuff um to do and i don't i do want to mix it up you know i like the desk setup with all the cameras that's cool i like the zv1 and getting out a little bit that's cool too i'd like to do some more stuff with the iphone really trying to get more creative um but I, I feel like i'm sort of in a holding pattern until i do get fully moved get fully set up you guys know what it's like uh let's see what else did i talk about this week um i did a mac touch bar video did you guys catch that uh that you know it's like the touch bar has been out forever and literally that day i didn't know what i was going to talk about but somebody was like hey can you make a touch bar video so i was like hmm, yeah that's different so i did and it was uh apps and tips and i think people it seemed to get really good feedback people are watching it about a minute longer on average than they watch uh, you know other recent daily tech videos or you know channel videos i guess in general so people got a lot out of it um, it hasn't turned into a smash hit or anything yet, but you know, that's one to check out probably if you want to get more out of it or for, you know, a lot of people are like, what's the big deal with the touch bar? And I did a Twitter poll too the other day and I said, do you love it, hate it, or you're just kind of indifferent and more people, you know, like 50% more people said that they liked it than hated it. And most people said they were indifferent, which is to me is the same as saying, you know, it's not bad enough to say that you hate it. So this is almost like saying that you're good with it you know if even if you don't like it you're good with it so anyways i did make that video uh of course i made the ipad video where i talked about you know the most common or most most commonly searched for youtube questions regarding the ipad pro and that was pretty interesting there was some questions i didn't even know you know people were asking because it didn't occur to me but that i had the answers to so that i answered there um so that was fun you should check that out if you haven't and then I did an Apple Watch sleep tracking video, and that one did not pop at all. I just, I don't know if people really aren't interested in it, um, but that can't be because I saw some other videos that had, you know, quite a bit higher views than mine on the same subject, uh, or if it just really had a bad thumbnail or something. I don't know. I was interested in it. I'm still doing it, um, sleeping with the Apple Watch on. So if you're wondering, what is it like to sleep with an Apple Watch? Why would you do it? Does it work? Does it help you sleep more? That was that video. Um, I've started to see some content floating around out there about the iPhone 12 and I would just, I think I'm going to give you a little bit. Yeah, I am. I'm going to give you a little bit of inside information on how that works when you start seeing the dummy units that people have. Um, so here's what happened to me. Somebody contacted me on Twitter. It was via DM and they were like, Hey, we can get you, uh, you know, some of the dummy units. It's going to cost you X amount of dollars. Do you want to do it? Um, and it's, it's like, we have to, I was like, first of all, I was like, no, I paid for a dummy unit once it was for an iPad and I didn't get much use out of it. 
when I got it, I was like, I don't even want to make a video on this. It was such a junky kind of a piece of thing. But some people like to make the videos. And anyways, so I don't know. It was they were gonna charge me a couple hundred bucks for like all the models or something. But the deal was they could only print these at night or something, make these dummy models at night. And I don't know if they were dummies for like case makers or what, uh, because Apple was after the people making them or something. I don't know. It seemed kind of shady. Um, but anyways, I mean, I appreciate the person that reached out because I've been included in the loop, you know, but I just didn't feel like ordering it this time around. But I've been seeing those videos hit where people are covering those dummy units and talking about the potential features and whatever. And um, so it's just interesting if you were me, you know, how does that happen? Well, that's how it happens. Somebody reaches out, maybe on Twitter, maybe as a DM, and they're like, hey, I can hook you up with this. Here's what it's going to cost. And so that was kind of interesting because the first time that somebody like that reached out, I didn't realize, you know, how that worked. So I thought maybe you guys would be interested to learn that. You know, there's not like uh, a website where you can go order a dummy unit, you know. Um, I guess it's all about relationships. Uh, and uh, I'm sure that Apple's sitting there trying to trace those, track it down. And uh, that was why they quoted me such a high price, they said, was because these factories making these dummy things can only operate at night and they switch locations and uh, to not get caught or whatever. So anyways, something to think about. Next time you see one of those iPhone 12 dummy videos, you can be like, oh, yeah, Chris told me how that happened. All right, let's get into uh, some Apple stuff. Might as well. Been yapping here for, what, 10, 20 minutes? The first thing I want to talk about is a tweet that I favorited or bookmarked a while back, tagged it as something of interest for the podcast. It's from Ben Geskin, and it was a video that he took that I think is something that he dreamed up. Not 100% sure how he did it or whatever, but it was uh, kind of his vision, I think, of what an AR desk setup may look like in like three years or something is how he put it. And what it looks like is there's nothing on the desk. I don't think there's a single thing on the desk. There might be one real thing. I don't know. Oh yeah, there's like an iPhone or something. Uh, but there's a little desk or a table with two chairs, nothing on it. And there's some AR stuff imposed on top. And so what it looks like is the AR equivalent of a three screen a three monitor setup except instead of a real physical monitor there's just three screens floating there in the space anchored to a, you know uh, the table or something and so when the camera moves you know they stay put on the table even though they're not real they're just ar and you know so there's one in the middle and then there's two off to the side that are kind of angled just like you would angle three real monitors except it's just the floaty screens it's really kind of like something out of Minority Report or something. And in the middle screen, it looks like it's kind of like a Mac, you know, with the dock. And on the right, it looks like a browser. And on the left, it looks like the Apple TV interface, which is interesting. Uh, hmm, I hadn't looked this closely before, but it's like you could put up any device on any of these fake screens, you know, as long as you're playing around with whatever. Uh, and now we're getting into the meta realm where it's like, well, what actually is an iPad or what actually is a MacBook? Um, and, but this is taking this a little bit further. Well, what even is, you know, an Apple TV? It's just the interface, really, um, because it's being displayed in this setup as just a virtual screen. 
Um, and then some interesting things are happening down on the table itself. There's a virtual keyboard. There's a virtual Siri button, which is an interesting idea, just like the Siri interface that you see in iOS 14 with the new floaty ball look um, that animates, that gets bigger. It's it's just bigger to begin with. That's on the table, so you could just tap it. That's kind of cool. Um, good concept, you know, imagination there. And then there's some of the new widgets kind of floating around in the table space too. There's a fitness widget. There's a weather widget looks like a reminders widget and those are just kind of sitting there on the table surface as well next to the keyboard and yeah and, and what makes this kind of stunning to actually see is that you know he's moving his actual camera which is like an iPhone or something probably and he's set up this environment which I assume I don't know it's just like special effects or something I don't know I didn't do that much research I was just intrigued by the concept and you know it's it's staying pinned there and we've talked about this stuff forever uh, on the podcast, I remember several episodes ago talking about what if you could just have like a giant, you don't need, you know, a 98 inch TV anymore in your living room. If you have Apple glasses or something, you just pin, you know, in air quotes, pin uh, a giant, you know, fake AR screen that doesn't really exist. It just exists in the digital realm, but you see it through your glasses onto your wall that takes up the whole wall. You know, that's a similar concept to what I'm seeing here. And for that matter, uh, you know, what about uh, like an ultra, ultra, ultra widescreen monitor or let's stack like three ultra wide monitors, you know, <laughs> and because the dimensions maybe matter because the software that runs, you know, maybe you actually still need a 27 inch equivalent, you know, screen or something or 32 inch or 49 inch, whatever, you know, corresponds to the real one. I don't know. I'm just guessing because the software maybe expects that. I don't know. Or maybe it doesn't matter. I'm not a developer. That's partly, I think, the appeal here is like, <laughs> I know enough to talk about it, but also I am more of an average dude. You know, hopefully like a lot of the audience can just like relate. We all don't know the same amount of stuff together. What's really interesting though about this concept is why stop there? Like with three monitors though, why not just have 50 monitors <laughs> or every app open? I don't know. Because maybe you could, or maybe you couldn't, even in the virtual environment, maybe that's too much horsepower and, you know, whatever machine actually is having to run this can't do that. I don't know. Or maybe it's all cloud-based, you know, in the future, in three or five or ten years, and it doesn't matter how much horsepower you have on your local machine. I really don't know. And it's just going to come down to, uh, you know, your personal work style. And, you know, I guess just like in real life, you keep things really you know, minimal, or do you like things kind of more cluttery? Because different people work different ways. But, you know, whether it's virtual or physical, I guess, you know, people are going to have preferences still. It just really looked like something super futuristic. And it, it was kind of exciting. It was like, and his question was, what are setups going to look like in three years? And, you know, I just tweeted on Apple Hype Premium too, uh, not tweeted, but it was included in the premium issue this time. Um, uh, something about what's the future of apps. There was a really interesting article that I read about, you know, what is Apple going to do with apps? Are we even going to have apps in the future? Like you think of an app, that's something that you download and, and that's a whole different discussion. But the reason that was being asked is because of, you know, app clips, which were demo demoed at uh, WWDC. And then on top of that, you know, we have things like the app library now in iOS 14, which auto organizes all the apps that you've got. Just, just the concept of an app, that's changing. The concept of a Mac and an iPad and an Apple TV and a desk setup, it's all changing. I feel like we're really on the cusp of just a, a whole brand new era 
of computing and it's going to be kind of mind blowing. It's, it's, you know, I know this isn't virtual reality, but it kind of borders on that, this AR experience because it's that immersive. So that was the future of a fake, you know, computing or computing that doesn't yet quite exist. Um, but let's talk about, um, you know, there's a rumor out there. It's from our man Kuo, um, who has said that he believes he knows what the next, the first ARM-based or Apple Silicon-based Macs are going to be. All right, so according to him, there's going to be a MacBook Air as well as the MacBook Pro lineup, 13.3, 14, and 16-inch MacBook Pros. Now, I'm interested in this from the pro perspective, right? Uh, I would love to add more cameras with, you know, more uh, capabilities to, to the setup and what I'm doing here. And of course that would require more horsepower to edit uh, without any hiccups or um, glitches. And so from from my perspective, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think the MacBook Pro is the right place to start if this turns out to be true. It's what I would do, not that I'm a genius. Um, but if I was Apple, that's one of the first things I would put out because it's you know where you're going to see the most impact probably. If you put Apple Silicon, which is you know probably going to be much 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 faster rather than just a little bit faster than an Intel based you know upgrade from what we're hearing. If you put Apple Silicon in you know the MacBook Air, and somebody gets a hold of it that's a MacBook Air user, are they going to notice a huge difference? I don't know that they are really especially not right now maybe as the thing ages and it stays you know fairly quicker for longer i don't know um but if you're just doing email and web surfing and stuff are you gonna notice that much i don't know but if you're somebody who's really pushing the machine to the limits because you're doing some kind of crazy 3d cad stuff um or video stuff or whatever it is you know maybe that you're doing whether it's music uh or design or whatever those are the kind of people that are probably more likely to notice but I did think of this angle. You know, what if Apple Silicon is so good, it makes such a difference, and maybe this isn't, you know, right away, maybe it's something more in the future, that, you know, pro people could even do pro things on something that's more like a MacBook Air, you know? That's an interesting thought to me. And actually, I've said this before too, sorry to be repeating, I don't know how many of you have actually heard all of my different stories over the years, but when I started doing video editing, when we switched from being a blog, which we started in 2012 to a video channel in 2015. Um, and the blog really went away and we committed to video. Well, I had to start somewhere and I started editing 4k footage because that's what everyone was doing 4k, right? You had to be in 4k, even though since then I've learned if I upload in 1080p, really nobody cares or says anything. In fact, no one's ever said, Oh, Hey, uh, you usually upload in 4k. Why did you upload in 1080? Nobody ever says that ever. Yeah. I was editing in 4k on a MacBook air because I got the air because I wanted something really, really light and small and nimble to just blog on, to write with. It was my writing machine. And I, I started using it for video stuff and you know what? It was able to do it. I could do it even without proxy footage. I believe if you're not in the video world, proxy footage is like a lower res file that you can edit. And then, you know, all the effects and stuff can get applied later um, to, to actually make the footage editable if your machine can't quite handle it. And so, you know, what if Apple Silicon inside a non-pro Mac would allow either pro people on a budget or um, just people anyways who want to experiment with stuff to be able to do pro things or maybe like light pro or pro light stuff, maybe, you know, that would be a really interesting thing to me. 
And maybe it would just be that the pro computers then, the MacBook Pros, the iMac Pro, the actual Mac Pro, can you imagine a Mac Pro with Apple Silicon? Wow, that's going to be crazy. What's that going to cost? Like 80 grand or 100? I don't know. But maybe the pro stuff will just be so far beyond that it's crazy. But maybe this is just total speculation. What if, you know, the lower end stuff was still able to handle kind of what you would think of as a pro workflow? I don't know. I also know that a lot of people are going to be super excited for that 14 inch MacBook Pro because we have the smaller, we have the larger, but a lot of people are looking for that sweet spot right in the middle that would be that 14 inch. I'm gonna be making a video I think soon about what size of what device you should get, bigger or smaller, because I know, I think I have a kind of a unique perspective on it, whether it's an iPhone, you know, and you get the smaller or the larger Pro, or whether it's an iPad and you get the mini, I'm not really talking about the mini, but let's say like the 11 inch iPad Pro and the almost 13 inch 12.9, you know, or a Mac, and let's just say the MacBook Pro, you know, you got the 13 or the 16. How do you decide between those? I have all of those, whether it's my actual device or a test, you know, review unit. How do you decide like which one? And here's the thing, and this is the reason I bring it up because you could buy it and as a consumer, you could just be happy with it because that's how it works. You buy it and you're happy with it, hopefully. Um, but something that I often do is I switch off. Like I'll get a small phone one year and I'll get a big one the next year just so I can have the experience of both as a reviewer or, or I'll get one of each or something because I do carry two phones. Uh, but on the Mac side of things, uh, you know, my wife always, she's using a smaller Mac and I'm using a larger laptop. And, you know, I got the larger laptop this year because I wanted all the horsepower that I could get. But then when I pick up her old computer, it's actually not old. When I pick up her computer, it's just so nice. It's so small. I love it. And then I've been using the 12.9 inch iPad Pro since uh, the last one model was released. And I was like, yeah, I love it. Uh, when I got it, cause it was new. And previously, you know, for the year before I'd been using the 11 inch. And when I had that, I loved that. Uh, but then I picked up the 11 inch again after using the 12.9. And I, I was like, whoa, I've really been missing out. I love this 11 inch. And it, that's the thing, you know, being able to spend a lot of time with all the different sizes, it's almost like the grass is always greener on uh, whichever one you don't have is that's the size that seems like maybe you need that size, you know? So I do foresee in the future, possibly making a video on helping people actually choose uh, the size that they want. Or maybe there'll be a different angle to it. Maybe the angle will be, hey, it doesn't actually matter that much. I don't know, we'll see. But that's what interests me about that 14 inch though, is that it splits the difference. You know, it's not the biggest, it's not the smallest MacBook Pro. And maybe that is like the winning combination is just to just get right in the middle and maybe don't have the biggest, don't have the smallest, just get the medium. Maybe that's just right. I don't know. So I would be interested in that. And of course, you know, the rumor has been forever that we're going to get the mini uh, LED displays as well. And I did contact or I was contacted by uh, a different manufacturer that's not Apple um, about, you know, checking out their laptop with the mini LED. And I haven't heard back from them. I was like, you know, yeah, if you want to send one. Uh, but yeah, uh, I haven't actually got my hands on that yet. But I'm curious. I'm interested. I want to know what that technology actually looks like in real life. Um, I thought we could just talk about AirPods for a second because I saw an interesting thing on Daring Fireball, which was a quote of somebody else writing for tidbits. And here's the quote. It's just two paragraphs, but let me read it. And this has to do with AirPods versus AirPods Pro. 
I also wasn't expecting to care about the case design. Because of those shorter stems and silicone tips, the case for the AirPods Pro is shorter and wider than the case for the AirPods. Even rotated 90 degrees, it's slightly larger in both dimensions, and it also is a little thicker. It's not bad, but where Apple got the heft and hand feel of the AirPods case absolutely perfect, the AirPods Pro case feels slightly off. I'm sure this varies depending on your hand size, but I find that the AirPods case is an addictive fiddle. It's like that smooth stone from the beach that you just can't put down. The AirPods Pro case, on the other hand, is a little large in my pocket and just doesn't have the same addictive feel. Hank Gruber uh, at Daring Fireball had this to say about it. By the way, Gruber, great. Daring Fireball, awesome. Always awesome. But he says, I just love this assessment. I've thought the same thing ever since getting the AirPods Pro, but never quite to the level of writing it down. For me personally, though, the utility of noise cancellation wins over all else. I too find the regular AirPods buds more comfortable in my ears, but the acoustic advantages of the AirPods Pro lead me to prefer them strongly. Okay, so here's the Chris assessment. First of all, starting off with the case. The case, it does make an amazing fidget thing. Toy, whatever. It's not a spinner, but I constantly, you know, flick it open, flick it closed. Love doing it probably annoys everybody all around me. It's like I'm one of those people that snaps my gum too. I'm constantly popping it. And I thought to myself the other day, hey, that's probably really annoying to be around. <laughs> and if it is, nobody has told me that. Uh, but, you know, my wife has mentioned before um, the AirPods case, flipping it open, flipping it closed. You know, it's just like if I'm wearing AirPods, whether it's the Pro or the normal, you know, it's just like what you do. Flip it open, flip it closed. It's satisfying. There's something about it. That's just fun. You just do it. It's natural. You don't even think about it. Now, it's kind of funny to me that somebody is, uh, you know, having a whole blog post and then actually somebody else wrote about it. And here we are talking about it, about, you know, which case fits in your hand better. Uh, that I honestly don't even care about. I thought the shape was weird of the new case when I first saw it, but it's grown on me and it's what I got used to. If the original AirPods had launched with that case, that I just would have been like, oh, that's the case, you know? And I would have thought, cool, and I never would have thought twice about it. But because it is so wide and different, the footprint is a little different, it threw me off at first. But I'm completely used to it now. I don't even care. So it doesn't bother me. I still flick it, you know, open and close all the time. Uh, that's great. But when it comes to uh, the thing that really matters, which is which ones would I use, you know, the Pros now that I've used them for so long, or the regular AirPods, well, yeah, I'm still using the Pros. Um, ever since I came out and then, yeah, I made that video a while back about, you know, having the noise cancellation issue and I got a new pair and they've been mostly good every now and then I've had some, you know, issues, you know, with the noise canceling, but never to the level of that issue that I actually made a video about that, that bothered me so much that I made a video about it. It's never been like that. So it's been little enough to not really bother me. I have found myself, even though I have a couple pairs of, you know, older AirPods, always gravitating towards the pros. And it's not just because they're the newest, nicest, most expensive version of AirPods. Because somebody asked me recently, they're like, hey, I'm thinking about getting some AirPods. Which one should I get? And I sort of broke down. Um, and that's the thing too, like when you're a tech person, everybody asks you about this. And honestly, I don't have a lot of time uh, to answer everybody's things. But it's different when it's somebody on Twitter and like somebody you know. Um, so somebody I know asked me. and So I was kind of breaking it down. Well, here's the differences. Here's what I like. Here's what I don't about each and they ended up getting you know the non-pros and they love them um which i very much understand because there's something about you know that older design the the more original design because it's just really comfortable is what i was going to say uh, 
I'm, I'm doing like Elon Musk today. I feel like my brain is moving ahead of my mouth and I'm already on to another topic before my mouth has gotten everything out. What I was going to say is they're supposedly redesigning, you know, the non-pro AirPods to look more like the pros with that design. And I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or not, because I do like having the option. Um, and I don't know if they're going to have the same tips or not, but I like having the option of the old ones out there for people because not everybody likes um, the tips or just the shape of the new AirPod Pros. I would say probably everybody likes, as long as it's working, the noise cancellation. That's for sure. But, you know, the old ones, it felt they felt like wearing nothing. It felt like you had nothing in your ears. And <laughs> not like Emperor's new clothes. Uh, it didn't feel like I was wearing nothing. Just like it felt like there was nothing in my ears, which was really cool. I mean, I think there was times when I would forget that I had them in. And, you know, obviously you lack the noise cancellation and, and the tighter seal, but it's still a cool thing. So for me too, though, just to, you know, bring it back in and wrap it up, I think uh, I'm here uh, with, you know, Gruber. And just to say, you know, the new pros, they're not perfect, but I do enjoy the noise cancellation so much that, you know, even though they aren't perfect and what thing really in this world is perfect that I end up, you know, using them, reaching for them, recharging them. They've just become a part of my everyday routine. In fact, on my nightstand, I have a triple charger that charges uh, my Apple Watch, my AirPods, and my iPhone wirelessly uh, right there. So they're always charged. They're never not charged. And, you know, I'm using them all the time, whether it's music or podcasts, sometimes an audio book. Uh, they're just one of my most used things. And always I reach for the pros, never the older ones. But just to be clear, though, not dissing or knocking the old ones. And I show my age with my verbiage. Uh, but I do, I like them both, but I prefer the pros. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, this isn't Apple, but it is tech. And I thought I would just talk about it. Um, you know, one of the things I'm thinking about with the move and the new place is what TV to get. And so, you know, I've got some TVs right now, right? Like I have a, a Vizio. It's a pretty decent size. Forget what it is. Uh, 60 something, maybe inch Vizio. Um, it's not the top of the line. It's kind of the mid tier Vizio sent that to me. So, uh, I guess that's sort of a disclosure. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it's good. I've enjoyed it. Most of the time it stayed in my old studio and never made an appearance, you know, on screen, uh, except for maybe like in the background, you know, I covered it. Like it's, it's the one from the video, right? You can go back and search Vizio daily tech and you'll find it. Um, but you know, I had it hooked up to my Apple TV, but it wasn't like out in my living quarters in space. and wasn't something that I use all the time. Now this year I told them, if you're going to send me one, you might as well send me your quantum because that I'm really, really, really interested in actually trying and using and testing. Um, it's funny because when they reached out, uh, they sent me like their lowest end one several years ago. And then the next year they upgrade a little bit for the review. <laughs> and then, you know, next year it was, it was a very nice one. Uh, and so we're to the point where it's quantum or nothing. Yeah. You know, so I got that and I have a Samsung. Um, I still have that old Samsung that I reviewed. I think it's the KS8000 if I remember. Um, I, there's a popular video on the channel about it. It was back when the PlayStation 4 came out. Um, it was around when I got it, and it had some good features for gaming, and, and the review did really well. I think it was getting close to a million views. Maybe someday it'll creep up there. I don't know who's still watching a review of it these days. And I've got another TV. You know, I've got some TVs around, and, you know, I find myself watching TV, you know, less, I think, obviously because of the move. 
if I'm going to watch anything, it ends up being on the iPad Pro right now uh, because of the situation. But but what TV do I want if I get a TV, if I want a TV? And one that's sticking out to me that I'm thinking about anyways is something that kind of surprised me. It's, it's not a traditional TV, but it's the frame from Samsung. Now, I actually just covered an interesting uh, Samsung TV or screen, I should say. It's not so much of a TV as a screen that also is a TV. I think it's called the Cero, 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 S-E-R-O on Apple Hype today. Um, that was one of the things that I featured. And I featured it because it's Apple compatible with AirPlay and whatever. Uh, so loosely, because what isn't these days? I just wanted to feature it. But it's the thing with that one, the Cero, that's interesting is that it rotates. So if you want to watch Instagram, you know, stories on there that are vertical, your whole TV, the screen, and it's only 40 some inches, rotates on its uh, display, its canvas uh, to be vertical. And then when you're ready for like normal stuff like YouTube or an actual Hollywood video movie or something, then it rotates back to your, to your normal. That's very interesting. Samsung is definitely doing some interesting stuff. But the frame is different, uh, and the reason that I like it is because it it is a TV, um, but it also, you guys have seen in several videos, and I've had several different art displays, but uh, let's see, oh, Infinite Objects. They're no longer a company. I think they got bought by um, Giphy or something. Uh, but I had these really awesome art screens for a while in some of the older videos. You can probably still see them. Um, they have white frames and you could load like animations or upload your own stuff or there was art um, and they were really awesome um, just art screens uh, and then right now I still have a couple uh, because once that company got bought and you know ceased to be a company anymore with supported products then I went in a different direction I contacted Mural and said hey do you want to send over uh, some of your art frames. I'll check them out, review feature. And I still have those around. And I have one uh, right next to my desk. If you go up and watch uh, the desk setup video that I did a couple of months ago where everything was messy and I cleaned everything up, you guys probably remember, um, you know, I had an art screen there. That was a mural art frame, uh, M-E-U-R-A-L, mural. And they've actually, I think since, since I got those, been purchased by Netgear. It's crazy all the consolidation that happens. But those were interesting. So so art frames, they've always intrigued me. That's for sure. And I like to be surrounded by art and creativity. Uh, and so, so what the Samsung frame does is sort of combine the world of TVs with the world of art, the art frame. But it's the art frame done really, really well. It's... It's really um, sleek and sophisticated looking. And actually, what got me going on this is I was on YouTube and I saw Michael Fisher's review of it um, popped up as a recommendation. I was like, hmm, because some you guys are probably like this. You know, all tech products are interesting to some degree, but some stuff's not really interesting to me, at least, unless like actually there's a, a reason or chance or possibility of me owning it. So like, you know, before before the move, I wasn't really shopping for TVs or thinking about it. But as we move, there's there's a place uh, for a, for a TV to be kind of featured above the fireplace, and you know, so I thought, well, you know, and and I've also seen, uh, you know, I've had some relatives who have uh, a digital art frame that's always showing pictures of the family and stuff, and that's kind of cool too. And and the frame can do that because you can upload, uh, you know, your own pictures and stuff. And that's kind of cool. So it's like a three in one device. Plus you can, you know, watch, you know, Netflix and all your normal stuff on there. So it's just kind of cool. And, but the, the thing that's really different about it is that it doesn't look like a TV. So especially if you mount it on the wall and this is what intrigues me, if I did mount it like over the fireplace, um, 
it looks like a framed piece of art. So the screen displays like a matting around art if you have art going up. And I think there's a little subscription. It's like five bucks a month or something if you actually want to get, you know, unlimited art or something. And I think you can also purchase art to put up there too, um, digital art. Um, but it puts like a digital matting. So it looks, you know, I think if somebody came in and looked at it, you would fool them. They would think that it was a painting or something unless they looked really closely. You would just assume that it looks like a framed piece of art because instead of a bezel, there's an actual frame and it has like four different colors that you can choose from. I don't know if it's wood, metal or what all you can get, um, but it just doesn't look like a TV and it looks really classy and it looks cool and I like it and I'm thinking about getting it um, maybe uh, for kind of the main room, the living room area. Because one thing too, my wife is always saying like, I don't want to be like a giant TV person. And so this is one thing, if it was just my space, I would probably have a huge, enormous TV at this point. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, my wife is like, well, I don't want to be a giant TV person where it looks like someone comes in your house and like, that's your life is that giant TV, you know? Um, and that makes sense. I do see what she's saying. Although I like things with screens and, big screens are cool. Um, so, uh, the frame though, this would, I don't know what size we'd be looking at. Not the biggest, not the smallest, somewhere in the middle, kind of like that 14 inch MacBook pro we were talking about earlier, right in the middle might be the right size. I don't know. Um, because it's kind of, uh, it doesn't feel like it's like the main thing in your life or in your living room, even, you know, if it's there, uh, somebody else, there's a VC, a venture capitalist that I follow on, Twitter, I forget the name, they were showing off their living room they had recently redone and um, they had a frame too. And somebody had to point out that it was the frame TV because uh, it doesn't look like it. You know, it just looks like art there. It's really cool. I'm, I'm liking it. The more I talk about it, the more I feel like I, I really, really want it. But anyways, I've seen them out and around and, it, you know, if it wasn't for the cord hanging down, then, you know, you really probably wouldn't even realize. So anyways, I've droned on a long time about it, but that's something that I'm actually kind of excited about. And it's fun to get excited about non-Apple things for me sometimes. And I've kind of been in a feedback loop where it's just been Apple, 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 Apple for so long. Um, but this move is giving me some chances to be like, oh yeah, there's this other tech out there that's still cool to get excited about. And that's what I kind of feel like with that and with some other smart home stuff. Like I'm, I'm exploring all avenues for, for smart home tech. All right, for the last tech segment, let's end by talking about email because, wow, uh, I've been hating email again lately. Sometimes I'm like, email is fine. But lately, I've been really frustrated with it. So Apple has a mail app. It's just the mail app. And I quit using it. I've been back and forth with it several times over the years. I've tried basically before you before you get on Twitter and at me, I've tried every email app under the sun, right? Sometimes multiple times. But Apple Mail, the reason I quit using it uh, most recently is because it was hiding important messages from me. Even if you mark it as VIP, those messages were still getting marked uh, or just archived. It's like auto archived. And I have to go know that someone was sending me something and go look for it and then find it. It wasn't showing up in my inbox. So I switched. And I tried the official Gmail app, and that was terrible on the iPad and on the Mac. And only recently did it get side-by-side uh, -side window support, like like where you can have two open at once on the iPad. That's been a thing for years now where you could have – anyways, uh, Gmail app, not my favorite. 
Um, I used to really love Astro, but that got bought and shut down. And it was the last one in a long line of some of my favorite email apps that got bought by some company for some other reason than the actual service itself and then shut down. So I used to really love Astro. It was the last one I remember really liking and loving. Um, Hey, that came out recently. That was from uh, Jason Freed and oh David Hanamar Hansen, the guys that make Basecamp. And, you know, it sounds cool. Um, I actually reached out to support and Jason himself got back to me. I don't think he knew who I was or anything. He just got back because he's doing customer service because he's just an interesting guy like that. And I was like, hey, you know, can you do my custom domain, my at daily tech domain, or can you uh, support multiple inboxes? You know, like if I have more than one email account, he's like, we don't yet, but it's coming in the future. And plus it costs. And I think it's expensive, but if it fixes all my problems, I consider it. Um, but so, hey, as cool as it sounds, uh, that's not ready for, for me yet for this type of a user, me, uh, and the way I use email, uh, what else is out there? I mean, Newton tried it, spark, tried it, boxer, tried it. If you name an email app, I have promise you I've tried it, but they all have issues. There isn't one that I can point to and be like, that's my favorite email app. I just don't like the email apps that are available. And I, it must be a really ridiculously hard thing to solve if you're a developer in a company even with a lot of resources because nobody seems to have nailed it at this point. So I think I was trying Newton um, most recently, and and just today I uninstalled it because I was frustrated over this. But I uh, was working with the real estate people, you know, with the house, and I saw that, oh, I, I opened it on my iPad and it said, four messages haven't sent. Would you like to try sending again? So of course I clicked yes. Well, guess what? Those four messages were all from like several days ago, all to the same person. And it was about stuff I'd already talked about and it's all stuff that's been discussed. So now all of a sudden the same email gets sent. I look like a spammer, you know, three times to poor real estate person. <laughs> and I was like, I had to have my wife. I was like, hey, can you just tell my email program freaked out? Um, cause then they got back and I think they thought I was like frustrated or something. It was so dumb. I'm just, ah, I'm really upset about e the state of email right now. And I, I do know, I think that's what Hey is out to solve, but, uh, it just doesn't have the features I need yet. But anyways, uh, email, I just want it to be simple and work really well. I don't need a bunch of flashy, you know, bells and whistles. I need it to send when I send to show me the messages that it needs to show me not hide stuff from me you know, it's frustrating when even apple's own mail service isn't working you know email app isn't working for me that's frustrating let me check twitter real quick because uh, i let you guys know i was hopping on the podcast and uh, i said let me know if there's anything that you have to know about so let's see if anybody said anything okay here's an interesting question from somebody um same 303 says does siri better compare to google assistant and ios 14 well, my honest assessment is that it's not quite there. It's moving in that direction uh, slowly, but it's. I think it's becoming a different beast, a different type of an animal than Google Assistant. I think what Siri is doing, and I think uh, The Verge put out a really good article about this, is uh, Apple and Siri, they're trying to do you know, some small things really well and maybe some unexpected things really well. And I think that's what we saw at WWDC. Siri at WWDC was basically not mentioned at all, really. And if it was, it must have just been in passing because there wasn't just like a Siri section where they're like, hey, here's what's new with Siri. But instead, they showed off some machine learning stuff in Maps 
and uh, all over the place, you know, even like Scribble on the iPad, that was some machine learning stuff that it's, you know, Siri adjacent or Siri related, uh, you know, that does cool things, but it's not like Google Assistant, whereas Google Assistant is trying to be like sort of like a digital butlery um, type of, uh, you know, like one stop shop to, to be very knowledgeable and understand how humans work and get you all the answers that you need. I don't think I just don't think right now that's this direction that Siri's going. And I think it's almost to the point where maybe people shouldn't even be comparing Siri with Google Assistant because they're just turning into different things. Google and Alexa, uh, just they're they're gonna mine, you know, if Facebook had an assistant, do they have one with the portal? I don't even know. But but if you're mining data, you're gonna have a more intuitive assistant and if apple by default is trying not to mine data they're just never going to be on the same playing field so i guess the the long story short is if you're expecting siri to like catch up to what google assistant is doing i just don't think that's happening really and may never happen uh in that conventional sense what you would think a digital assistant would be as put forth by google and the google assistant example um but i also can say that i do like where Siri is going, like the things that they showed off, they're nice little conveniences. And some of the features that I thought, oh, that's a cool thing at WWC, they had like Siri behind them, but it wasn't just promoted as a Siri feature or machine learning behind them, but it wasn't promoted as a Siri thing, if that makes sense. And I will say, you know, you can with that new uh, triple tap feature in iOS 14, we can uh, activate this in the accessibility features, you can triple tap the back of your screen or double tap it and activate Google Assistant that way. You know, like you can use Google Assistant on an iPhone and fairly conveniently now with iOS 14. Uh, but I know a lot of people in the Apple ecosystem don't want to do that uh, for privacy or whatever, or just, you know, to be hardcore Apple people. Um, but yeah, I hopefully that's sort of a good answer for you. Uh, Eric J says, if it's not too late, how are you liking the 13 inch MacBook pro compared to the 16 inch? Well, we just, we spent a quite a bit of time talking about this, but specifically I will say, I really like the size. I really like the footprint. I really like that. It's small enough to fit into like, you know, the messenger bag, uh, or the backpack, you know, if it's just, it's easier to manage. It definitely is. You know, uh, the speakers aren't quite as good as my 16. That's for sure. But the typing experience is there. You know, the screen's not as big, um, but it still is powerful enough, you know, to do a lot of stuff that I do. So uh, I I really like it um, is the answer. You know, would I buy it right now over the 16? Probably not because I do want extra portability. And, and you know, if I had tied, if I, if I had gone the route of uh, getting a desktop right now, like a iMac Pro or something or a Mac Pro, that wouldn't have been good for this situation right now where I'm in the middle of this move. I, you know, it's good to be adaptable for me. And even though I could get more specs with a desktop, you know, like I need portable. And if I'm going portable, I need to have the most powerful thing that I can get, which is a 16 inch right now. Uh, that said, and, and even with the 16, with, with the cameras that I got going and the multiple streams of 4K and stuff, even that, it's not like my 16-inch MacBook Pro can just cut through all that stuff without rendering time, you know? Like, I do have to wait sometimes for, once I get through an edit, for the render to catch up. Um, so so even that, and granted, it, it's, you know, getting almost a year old now, um, but 
yeah, I want as much power as I can get. I guess that's what I'll leave it at. But I really do like the footprint. I really, really do of the 13 inch. Okay, let's end it here. Somebody says, do you think Apple will ever change the form factor of the Apple Watch? <laughs> can I tell you guys a sad story first before we get into that? I looked down today and I looked at my Apple Watch and it looked a little different. What was different? A giant scratch across the top. I didn't know it was a scratch at first, kind of tried to wipe it off. Have you ever done that? You had something scratch, you're not sure like what that is, try to wipe it off. And then your heart sinks because it doesn't wipe off and you realize it's a scratch and it's a terrible moment. Well, that happened today. I don't know how it happened. I don't remember bashing it into something. And it's not just a little scratch or nick. Like it's a big old gnarly, jagged, you know, scratch. Um, And it's mentally like a little splinter in my mind. When I look at it, I can't ignore it. I always see it and it bugs me. But, um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that Apple's really going to change the, the shape of the screen anytime soon. And by anytime soon, I mean in the next several years, maybe half decade at least, if not longer, because a couple things, number one, this rounded rectangle face is very iconic. Like, you know, I guess for the, except for the Chinese companies that shot for shot copied it um you know that's an apple watch and even if you saw one of those ripoffs you'd think it was an apple watch until you realize the software was different or whatever up close so it's iconic and you know that's worth something to apple and, and i don't think they're gonna you know just give that up super easily number two i like this shape if, if that's indeed what you're talking about with your question i like the shape because it it's a rethinking we've talked about this several several times on the podcast and elsewhere but it's a rethinking of what a watch should be it's not just an analog copy like analog says you know watch faces used to be round why because sundial or something archaic i don't know and but apple's like okay we're doing the digital thing what can we do differently and they did this and you have more screen real estate and you know so so i think it's actually more functional than just a circular face that's my feeling about it and i like that because it is a rethinking now if you're talking about um will the apple watch feel different uh soon that is a different question i think that that is going to change probably significantly as it gets um thinner probably you know that'll be nice um hopefully the battery life doesn't just stay the same but gets better because we have the sleep tracking now to contend with and people are going to expect that but on top of that um, you know, Apple has some patents for smart bands. And what does that mean? Does it mean there's a display on your band too? I don't know, maybe. But that I think would significantly change mentally how you thought about an Apple Watch. And so if the question is, is that shape going to change? You know, I would say probably not anytime soon is my guess, my best guess. But yet, will the Apple Watch, is there room for it to feel very different and new and fresh? I would say absolutely. Um, gesture wise, the things that you can do as it integrates with AR, you know, maybe it's going to get a camera someday or something. I don't know. There's ways and things that can be done. Um, and then you just, you can look up, you go to patently Apple and look up all the Apple watch patents. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff that Apple's already thought of, and it can take years for that stuff to manifest, you know, in the consumer pipeline. But, but yeah, uh, not going to change the shape too much. I don't think, but, but still going to be very, very exciting in the near future. All right. Well, I think that's it for, for this episode. Hopefully you guys liked it. Thanks for hanging out. I, I definitely like hanging out. I, I think I'm going to pause trying to do the video version of this probably until I'm sometime mid-September-ish 
till I'm just at the studio. It's just too much to think about and handle right now with the move. Um, in the meantime, though, we'll enjoy the last of these audio-only weeks. Um, and I don't know if you guys are commuting right now with the pandemic stuff going on or what. Uh, let me know. Reach out on Twitter and say, like, hey, here's where I listen to the after party the most. Like, when I'm doing chores, you know, when I'm getting ready in the morning. Or, yeah, I listen in the car or whatever. Let me know. I'd be interested. Um, all right. That's it for this episode. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Later. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party out of vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Since all 12 are giving you the heat The reviews from Chris you gotta see Daily Tech got the facts that you need And it's a whole crew you gotta meet After party it's the place you gotta be And you can't really beat it cause it's free Trying to give you unbiased critiques Quality you should take it from me Cause we care about our customers Pull up a seat, got a whole team Giving you the best and do it by any means Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean It's the after party, live from the models Wanna cop some, shouldn't be a doubt about it Looking for great reviews, then you found it Connecting with the fans, hope you get a lot out of it Welcome to the other party, out of vibe Well you know we getting lit and come alive And you know we got a light so we gon' shine Talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party, got it vibe. Well, you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got that light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah.